we've been here for a little bit over a year now. And I want you to know how blessed this house is with Andy and Melinda. I, 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 I've been to a few churches. I'm a pastor's kid. There's a former pastor sitting here, my parents. You know, we are in a house. This is a place where our leaders are, are amazing. Really, really amazing. And, and what they, yeah, let's clap for them. They, they live this. They literally live this. And that, that for me is so refreshing. And um, so I'm honored. It's my privilege to serve them. It's, that's how I want to live. That's how our family has decided is to serve them and serve their vision and serve you. So um, just to reiterate a couple of the announcements, the Deeper Still Worship Night, everybody is invited that. Please come. That's another pathway for connection. Um, and a lot of times we talk about pathway for connection for, to meet other people. This is literally a pathway connection to encounter God, to, to spend time with him in a really pivotal moment of our culture. So I, would, I really hope that you can join us. It is, it'll be relaxed, enjoyable. We will worship a lot together and we'll pray together and be there if you can be there. It'll be fun. It'll be enjoyable. Uh, and then also... Uh, the student ministry is changing. So this, uh, actually the beginning of March, the first Sunday of March, um, there's a team being put together to, um, to kind of split up our older kids that have all been in one group. So we have three different classes downstairs and we're, we're building a team. The response has been great and we're excited about that, but we need a few more people. So if you would like to be like a teacher's assistant or an aide or just help downstairs with one of those groups, we, we need you. And um, it's very clear by this year's group of messages from Andy that if we don't have enough people, then we won't have a uh, service for the kids. There won't be any classes. They'll just be with us all the time. So uh, we want to we offer that, but we do need people. We don't want to burn people out. And that's what happens traditionally in church is that, um, you know, just a select few are, are with the kids every single Sunday, and they, get, they need to be with us, too, here, and we need to be with them, too, there. So do that. Um, Andy started this year uh, with a message, if you remember, I believe it was January 1st, and the, t the title of that was, Where Are You? Where are you? So I'm asking that again, now that we're in uh, middle February, where are you? How are you doing? How are you really doing? That was the message January 1st. He continued on, and this group of messages this year has been all about serving, giving, community. That's what I've seen. Serving, giving, and community. So where are you? How you doing? Really, how you doing? Not looking for the answer. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. We want to know the answer. Like, how are you really doing? How can we serve you? Then, he, then, he, then there was one that says, there he is. Do you remember if you were there for that one? There he is. Right? That was Jesus healing the, uh, the man at the pool. Right? There he is. Um, then we had Lost in the Father's House, the prodigal father story that has affected many of us. If you haven't listened to that message, you need to listen, especially if you're a father. You need to listen to that message. Um, then we had a couple of more. Given it will be given. It's your turn. And then last week was Stack the Deck. And if you, that one I, I would say is pivotal for us as well. So the messages have been giving, serving community. And here's what I want you to know. We need you to give and we need you to serve, and we want you to be in community. Agreed? We all want that. But I think the, the team that leads here 
We don't want you to be in that, we don't want you to be serving and giving out of obligation. I want to peel back a little bit of that and talk about why. Why do we want you to serve? Why do we want you to give? Why? And what is it about? Because we're busy. I think, I mean, if I asked the question, if I said, how many people feel like they have a busy life? A lot of us would raise our hands. It's just how it is in our culture, right? My family, you know, I'm married to my best friend right there. I've got five amazing kids. Three are sitting here and two are adults. My parents are here. Um, and we own a couple of businesses. We own a business just up the road, a little farm, and we grow vegetables. Um, right now is a very busy time for us. And our lives can be busy, and we can get full of this busyness. I think a, a guy by the name of Paul Beloche, I think is how you say his name. I don't, I don't really know. But he says that busyness is the enemy of spirituality. If you want to have a deep relationship with the Lord and others, you got to manage that busyness pretty well. You have to prioritize. We have to get a, into a place where um, our boundaries, our priorities are in line with this stuff. And when we don't do that, all of a sudden we're going to see things out of whack in our lives. And it can be any place. It can be in our relationships. It can be in our, uh, uh, our finances. Uh, it can even be in our jobs where, you know, I'm working so much that I have no time for anything else. And in my life, look, I get it. I, I've worked hard most of my life, and um, I like to work. I like to be on the cutting edge. I um, share a lot with Dana. Mindy and I were both in high tech. We worked in high tech for years and years. In fact, when I met Mindy, she was my boss. And some say she still is. Yeah. <laughs> so the funny thing about that is uh, there's a transitioning hap happen at our farm, too, where Mindy will become the primary owner of Kindred Roots Farm up the street. That, again, makes her my boss. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a Holy Spirit joke in my life or, or what, but, but it is something we have fun with. But we were both very driven, uh, very driven years ago where... Um, I spent a lot of my life just going after money, to be honest. I wanted to make good money. I wanted to have freedom financially. And we, we achieved that. And then I was empty, quite frankly. I grew up in church. I, I grew up with an amazing example, like literally. If you don't know my parents, meet them. They're amazing. They were an amazing example of Jesus. And yet, I didn't make my own choice to follow Jesus, and so um, I went after the wrong things. It's quite plain and simple. And it wasn't until later in life that I actually had this awakening, this uh, encounter with God that I thought, what am I doing? This is not what I want. All this stuff isn't making me happy. So with, with Andy's messages, I wanna, I wanna turn to 1 Corinthians 13. So if you'll... You guys, a lot of you know what that is. Probably a lot of you can quote this. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is uh, the love chapter. So I'll read the first few verses. Um, and it's, I, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. I, I know the Passion is not an exact um, interpretation, but I've been directed by the Holy Spirit to read the Passion the last couple of years. 
And so I, that's the Bible I carry around now. I have several Bibles, but this is the passion. That right there, that orange thing, um, my highlighter, is literally my reminder. I know this sounds weird, but it's my reminder to read. So I keep it right here all the time. I have Matt, my friend Matt's here. I'll talk about Matt in a minute. But Matt has seen this highlighter on this Bible for more than a year because we traveled together last year and uh, I had it there. So it's my reminder to read this. Um, But let's start in verse 1. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith, that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give everything I own to feed the poor, to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. As I prayed this week, I felt like I was supposed to ask two questions. And so, two questions today. What does love look like in your life, is number one. Because love looks like something, but what does it look like in your life? And there's different ways we talk about this. You know, I I love my wife. Um, I would take a bullet for my wife. That's just how it is. Like, there's no hesitation there. I may not say the same thing with, with some of you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That just means I might take Larry and put him in front of me. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. It's possible. I, I don't want to ever be in that situation, and I don't want to joke about that, but it is different, right? Some of you I don't really know. Like, we may have met. I don't, I don't think I've met everyone in the room, but we may have met. But let me just tell you, I can genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, say I love you. And not in a weird way. I love you. I can say that to a man, I love you, a woman, an older person, a young, the children, I can say it to everybody, and I can mean it, I love you. Some of you I journey closely together with. I have that, Jeremy and I spend at least once a week together for a little while. I love, I love Jeremy, he brings so much to this place. He's such a great guy, he's really funny. Yeah? <laughs> to my children, I love you. I've known you from your birth, right? I get to see you every single day. You see me in my worst moments, and I think you, st- I think you still love me. I see you in your worst moments, and I love you, right? There's di- just so many different facets of it. Friday, uh, Mindy and I were at the farm. Uh, we were working. It was a... Um, kind of a gloomy day, kind of chilly. Some of our employees had come off of their uh, winter layoff and they were coming back to work and so we were planting leeks, you know, like leek soup. Um, we were planting leeks for the, one of our first crops to go in and of course all the, I don't know, in the vegetable world there's a lot of jokes about leeks. Like I don't know if this ground is gonna hold water, there's so many leeks in it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was gonna tell a lot more vegetable jokes but they're pretty corny. So. Uh, <laughs> 
anyway. Um, we were, as we were planting, these employees came back. They're dear to our hearts. It was fun. It was a fun time for us to have them back from uh, the layoff and, and getting back into the season. And um, I knew that um, uh, Abby had placed an order for eggs at our farm, and so she was going to come by. And I knew that Bree, her mom, was going to come into town. And I had been um, really pushing my friend Matt to come back to... Uh, to come back to uh, Indiana, they're from Idaho, and visit because I just enjoy being around him. And he said, man, I just can't do it. I got all these obligations. And I said, well, what if, what if this and what if this? What if somebody paid for you? And, what? and he's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. So as we were working on the farm Friday, um, we were in one of our tunnels, which is a covered place where we work. And, and uh, I saw Abby pull up, and I thought, oh, we'll go get her the eggs. And, and they were talking, and Abby and Bree got out of the van, and their van is pretty... Um, tinted the windows, and um, as we were taking the kids and I was going to show them the animals, Matt popped out of the van, and surprise! And of course, you know, that was exciting for me, because I, I had been asking Matt to come, and I love Matt. A lot, like a lot. I can't tell you that the amount of things Matt and I have been through that are hard. Like, there's no reason Matt and I should really still be friends. We've gone through difficulty together. Uh, Matt, Bree, Abby, and their older son, Eric, we lived together in a really small house in South Africa. And we pushed every button, each other, every moment that we could, on accident and on purpose. And we came out of that experience strong. Not knowing if it would be strong, but those moments that are hard, that's what builds the love that I think we need. So Matt and I are, we're close. We talk about everything, we joke about everything. We've been hanging out since he's been here, and we played games last night, and uh, just reminiscing about all the times we spent together. Um, we've seen each other in our worst, and we've seen each other in our best. And I've seen Matt preach on the streets of Kenya, um, where he was questioning his, uh, his delivery. Like, I don't know, what do I have to say? And the response of those people was huge. And we prayed and prayed and prayed for people because they heard his heart. And so I've been with Matt, and I think it's awesome, and I'm so glad you're here. So um, on this back wall, Lawrence is standing right back there. There's a, a new kind of missions uh, cubby there that Deli and Kelly put together, which is awesome. And there's a picture of a family there. Uh, on the right, there's two pictures. The one on the right, uh, Salim Sadiq is his name and his family are pictured there. Uh, our family met Salim 2014. Salim is Pakistani, and we met him in South Africa. Um, and he had fled Pakistan uh, for his life. Like he, he was, his family are Christians, and his dad was a pastor, and he became a pastor, and then the government chased him and tried to kill his family, and, and we met him there. And we have we recently reconnected and now entering into relationship from Christway with Salim, but Salim is literally the epitome of love. He has now started a 
school for children of slaves in Pakistan. So this is generational slavery, like brick makers, that's all they do, just generation after generation, and they make nothing and they have nothing. Those children are not allowed to go to school in that, in that part. And so he started a school on his own and started, this is about three years ago, started bringing these kids in. There's about 80 to 90 kids, right, Deli? He's about 80 to 90 kids um, that are being taken care of. They're being fed, they have uniforms, they're being given coats and shoes, which they don't have. And he is doing that. Now he had to leave again Pakistan because the government tried to kill him. And now he's back in South Africa and he's working a few jobs to now pay for those 80 to 90 kids to have that school. That is, for me, that is what love looks like. So when I ask the question, what does love look like in your, in your life? There's, there's a few facets of that. Um, who are the people that you love? It's easy to love those that are, that are easy to love. Sometimes we're not easy to love, but who are, who are those people that you love? And who loves you? Sometimes we need that wake-up call of who actually loves me. I know I did. But there's so many people. I, I'm just telling you right now, there's people in this room that love you, and you don't even really know it. But they love you. And who can you or should you express love to that you're not right now? Like, are we loving people well? And that's kind of the premise of this first question is, we don't, we don't want to be serving and giving out of obligation. We want to be doing it out of love. Simple, just love. Why? Because Jesus gave so much for us. Matt, I'm just going to tell his story real quick. I, I joked last night that I was going to call him up on the stage, but I'm not going to. Um, Matt's life, he grew up, is it okay if I share your story? I won't be too graphic, but Matt grew up in a terrible home. Uh, drugs, violence, abuse, uh, bad, like bad news. And Matt is the most loving man that I know. I've never seen him not love. I've never seen him really that angry. I've seen him irritated, but I've never seen him angry. I've seen him open his arms to every single person that I'm, when I was with him, that he did. There's a picture, and I, I create sidebar really quick. I was trying to find this picture on Facebook that we took in Kenya, but a terrorist organization hacked my Facebook account, and now I'm locked out of Facebook for, and Instagram for a long time. Anyway, sidebar, I couldn't get the, the picture because I'm locked out of Facebook, but the picture is Matt and our friend Colby, our business partner who's been here a few times, and they are wrapped in an embrace of a 17-year-old girl who was at one of the places we were speaking. And this girl came to them and shared her story and how broken she was. And these two, Matt's not a small guy, 6'5", um, big, and Colby's just a little bit smaller. But they, the picture is the picture of Matt when I think of his life. He's wrapped around this, this young lady who is broken, and she's weeping. And in the background of this picture, what you can't see is loud, loud music going on. But they're just loving in the moment. And when I think of how I want to love people, Matt is one of my examples. So back to the verses. Here's what I want us to catch. So read with me. 
In verse 4, it says, love is large. Pause there. Christ, I want us to have large love. I want our love to be large. I want it to be encompassing. A little peek into my mind is, is as I was praying about this this morning and reading through the scriptures, <laughs> I had this thought of, I think it's the first Transformers movie with Shia LaBeouf, whatever, however you say his name. Many of you probably haven't seen it, but um, he goes to a college party and there's a guy that is really built, um, unlike me, but bigger, um, strong, you know, and he has a really, really tight shirt on. And Shia says, uh, I don't know what his name is in the movie, but he says, man, I'm going to get you a tighter shirt. But there is no tighter shirt that's going to fit this guy, right? There is not a tighter shirt. And here's how I equate this, is I want us to be so tight around people loving that it can't get any tighter. Not to smother them, but that they feel safe. That we can just grab people and bring them in no matter what. Nothing is holding us back. I, it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, who you are. There's no shame. Nothing. That's who we are. We just love people. So if you haven't felt that here at Christway, I apologize. And I want that to be different. How do we do that? It can't just be me. So we all must do that. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. But I want you to feel so loved that when you come here, it is just so refreshing. Our love is large and incredibly patient. That is my weakness, if I'm being honest. I am not as patient as I can be. And when I ask for patience, I don't get patience. I get the opportunity to learn to be patient. So I learned a while ago not to ask because I immediately go into a situation where then I have to be really patient and I just fail sometimes. I just fail. I fail with my children and my wife often, and I, I probably fail with some of you, and, and I'm still very aware that I need to be patient. There's people that I meet with on a regular basis. They tell me things. They don't do it. And I'm like, why are you not doing that? You know, I just want to... <clears throat> not because I'm angry at them, because I know how much, if they just accepted this love, what would happen to their life? It happened to me, so I know. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Last year, I, I, every year, starting last year, uh, one of the fruits of the Spirit, um, every year I felt like that's what I needed to do was focus on that fruit of the Spirit. Last year was gentleness. And according to my family, I became more gentle. That's the measure for me. I became more gentle. This year is kindness for me. I want to be kinder. Not just to my family, but to everybody. So the way I explain it is I have a personality where um, sometimes this gets ahead of this. Anybody, anybody with me there? I, I, I mean, I don't know. But sometimes what comes out, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> I wish I could, but you can't, right? You can't get that back in fast enough. But that happens to me still, often. And so I think I felt the Holy Spirit asked me that if, if you were to focus on being kind, that that would be less of a problem. And as I really pray, I, so I try to pray that every day, God, make me kind. Show me how to be kind. And I've actually felt like my mouth has not gotten ahead of me 
at least 2% less. So any gain is a good gain <laughs> for me. So let's be kind, right? And this is a kind place, don't get me wrong. But I think we can all get better at that. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. I want you to be successful, Zach. I want your next season of life to be phenomenal, better than your last season. Why? Why, why would I say that? What if it took money away from me? Yes, because I want you guys to succeed. I want you to be walking in what he's asking to do. There's things in your heart that you may, like, I don't know if I can do this, I'm telling you right now, I am walking what I've all, I've done, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, and on the stage is not it. It's actually growing vegetables and living in the dirt. That's what I've wanted to do in my life. That is a weird thing for some people, but I love it. I come alive when I'm out at the farm. When my boots are dirty, my hands are dirty, I'm sweating like crazy, and the, I'm growing things. Well, I'm tending the soil, and God's growing things. And I love it. I love it. But I never, I didn't even know that about myself a while ago. And the reason I love it is because I grew up with basically two master gardeners. That I was always with dad in the garden. I remember when I was a kid, we had a one acre garden. We had no tractors, folks. One acre. And it was me and mom and dad. That was it. There were no crew of people tending the garden. It was really me and dad. And really dad. And he tended this one-acre garden, which is a lot of vegetables. And he did it so well, and I've always admired that. And so growing up, that's what I admired. I, he did that so well. So um, that's probably why I have that seed down in here. And look, now I get to do it in a bigger, a bigger way. But I want, I want you guys to be blessed. So you can bless others. I want you to gain stuff so you can bless others, not just to get stuff. I ask my kids, I ask my kids every once in a while, well, you know, what do you want to do? I'll get answers. I won't say who says it. I'll get answers like, I want to be rich. I want them to be rich as long as they learn to give. As long as they learn to bless, right? Uh, love does not traffic in shame. That's pretty straightforward. That's what we do here. We don't do shame. We don't traffic in shame. We don't traffic and disrespect. We don't, we don't traffic in that. We don't do that. Uh, Bree, my friend Bree, has worked with um, uh, ladies in human trafficking for how many years, Bree? Seven or eight years, that's what she does. Um, she works with an organization that have houses, safe houses for women that have been trafficked. And what, a, what an amazing thing to do in the kingdom. What an amazing thing to do, right? And I know for a fact, she picks them up and takes them to church and and loves on them because she loves well. She, they, they love well. And that's the thing in our lives is shame will take us to places we were never meant to be. So we don't do that here. So uh, one thing I wanted you to think of is in this, in this moment is if, if there's somebody that, that you have in mind that needs to be with in relationship, I would say, or in community with you and the Lord. Maybe they're walking in shame right now. I can tell you, I can think of three people, they come to mind right now. Where are you? Where are you? 
and I believe shame is holding them back, I want you to reach out to them today. Just reach out. Say, hey, hey, dude. In my case, it's three young men. Hey, what's going on? I haven't seen you in a while. Man, let's get some coffee. Let's get together. I miss you. Let's do that today. Can we, can we just do that? If you don't have anybody in mind, that's okay. But it, I think there's a lot that do. Maybe it's a relationship that is close to you that you know they're not maybe walking with the Lord or they've done something, they've made mistakes. Reach out and let them know how much they're loved. That's what we need to do. Love does not traffic in shame nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. I would say we should probably be unoffendable. That might be a little hard for us, but we should be unoffendable. There should really be nothing that offends us. That doesn't mean we accept everything, but we should be able to love through people's stuff. I hope you can love me if I offend you, or if I'm crass, or if I'm crude, or if I'm angry or cranky or grumpy or whatever you want to say, I hope you can love me because I need it. I need you to say it's okay. Uh, um, and I need maybe, you know, a kick in the backside sometimes. Maybe I need you to push me out of my funk. Maybe I need you to say this isn't who you are. Go here. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place, for it never stops believing the best for others. This is our safe place, and not this building, but the people around us are our safe place. It must be that. We must be that. Love never takes failure as a defeat and never ever gives up. And verse 8 says, love never stops loving. So as we finish, I, I left, I, I've never been more stretched in my life speaking than this week, if I'm being really honest. I've never been more, uh, more like I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, I, I've never been that. But here's what I'm sensing in this moment is I, I just want to say I'm sorry. I want you to, if anybody in your life has a father, has hurt you, I'm sorry. I hope you can find forgiveness. If anybody as a husband or wife has hurt you, I'm sorry, and I hope you can find forgiveness. If you've been abused in any way, I'm so sorry. I, I want you to find forgiveness. The reason we're able to serve, the reason we're able to love is because is we can let go. And we can forgive. It doesn't mean everything's okay. It just means we can release things in our heart. So if you'll stand with me. The crew in the back uh, is going to play some music. And uh, let's, let's do this. If the prayer team would come up. If you didn't come up for prayer and you need prayer, uh, I want you to do that here for just a few minutes.
If you struggle to love or receive love, give love. Come and pray with somebody about that, please. It frees you up from what you're, who you are to be who you are. Do that. If there's any prayer needs, please do that. And very quickly, in 2012, my family went to Mozambique for the summer. As I entered that country, I was bound. Bound. And I, when I mean bound, I was, I was a fake Christian. I knew all the right things to say. I could answer any, I could quote most scriptures. I didn't know what love looked like. Right now, I want God to do a work deeply and gently in you. That's question number two. What is God doing in you? What are you allowing him to do in you? Because you must allow it. It's just that simple. You, You can't do it on your own. You just have to allow him to do it. So if you need any of that, any prayer for anything like that, please come and give prayer. I'm going to pray really quickly. God, thank you for who you are, for loving us well, for showing us what love looks like. We ask that you would continue to do that. I thank you for the heart of Christ's way, the heart of the people here. Grow us in love. Grow us in peace. Grow us in acceptance. Jesus' name.